is destroying my house one wash kniper at a time. It's Friday, January 11th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, master's student in civil engineering and older person. And with me today are Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and Stompot Warrior, and her colleague Gordon Derrick, contributing editor at Dutch News and privileged Stroopwafelman. I like how Gordon is my colleague, but not your colleague, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't officially work for you. Yeah, that's true. You're not, yeah, you're not that's actually not true. You got paid last year, right? I got paid, yeah. yeah. you officially yeah. work for Dutch News. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, on the payroll. We're all colleagues, Paul. Oh, wow. Okay. It's terrible. But, yep. but Gordon, you are a privileged stroopwafel man. What's that about? Apparently so. No, I, I noticed um, that uh, United Airlines are now serving stroopwafels again on their planes, and lots of people are really excited about this on Twitter. And I thought it was kind of a bit sad that uh, there are people in this world who can only get a decent stroopwafel if they get on a plane. When Whereas they have I to just... fly an American airline. Yeah, American, that's yeah. the real oh, that, that's That the is real actually yeah, the real killer. Yeah. That's yeah. the real tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Would, would, would you go that far to actually get a seat on an American Airlines plane no. or to get a decent stroopwafel? I will not fly an American no. Uh, well, airline. Uh, as long as they're not uh, mango chili flavored stroopwafels, yeah. then I would. Lavender black. Or the pepper. lavender ones. Yeah. Those lavender black pepper. Those, those yeah. are the worst. Yeah. And Paul, you're uh, you're older. Yes. How'd that happen? <laughs> it was my birthday on Monday. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yes. Happy. Yeah. So, so, congratulations, congratulations Gordon. to Molly. Thank yes. you very much. So, yeah. Yeah, I want to thank you for my congr- <laughs> but I didn't receive any congratulations. No, we're not congratulating you. Just no, each no. other. Yeah. Did you have a nice birthday party? Yeah, I had. Uh, I uh, celebrated it with my sisters, whose birthday it was on the same day. Mm-hmm. On the same day, because you guys are triplets. That's true. Yeah. Do, uh, do you get each other presents as well? As no, we, no, we we don't do that <laughs> because it would be just giving yeah. us you each, know yeah. twenty euro worth of gifts yeah. to <laughs> each other in a circle. In a circle, yeah. The next year, could sort of give them all back to each other. You know, yeah, exactly. in a rotation. Yeah, I, like I think this. we should just do it in a circle. So I give the twenty euros to my sister. My sister yeah. gives it to my other sister, and the sister gives me back. To Remember, me. put it in an envelope. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Molly, uh, what's that with the stumpot? Uh, I got a uh, stumpot Bible cookbook for Christmas, and I was extremely excited about this. And we made stumpot for dinner last night. Actually, it was well, a cool stumpot. Are there American airlines where which you have to fly to get stumpot uh, in the US? I don't think Americans have ever even really heard of stumpot. I can't imagine you would be able to eat stumpot in an American plane. No, would, I don't think so. It'd be, it'd be like um, Kinder Eggs, you know, yeah. it'd be banned for some It's definitely reason. banned yeah. for something. <laughs> but I think Stumpot is delicious, and I'm a big advocate H- for How many recipes are in this Bible? Like 300 and something. Wow. Right. But the Albert Hein website has like 436 Stumpot recipes. But really? do, do they yeah. all look the same on the plate? Because I'd imagine they would. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but they'll taste different. Yeah. They have a, a different tone of color, so one yeah. is slightly orange and the other is slightly greenish and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, I think there's two color tones, right? You sort of have the, like, Zircol apple, which is all, like, white, and then mm-hmm. the, like, stuff with green stuff in it, so boracol. But we make one with broccoli in yeah. it also. That's quite good. We often put carrots in as well, so yeah, it's kind of yeah. orangey tone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. you got three three color schemes. Mm-hmm. Three yeah. colors, yeah. So, um, the OPEF of the week, because it's a new year. We're it's back from our... New year, new OPEF. New OPEF. Mm-hmm. It was quite a long Christmas break for us. But, it was a uh, long Christmas break. We really needed it. We did really need it. So uh, the OPEF of this week, um, it was revealed that uh, auction house uh, Sotheby's in London will put a number of artworks from the Dutch royal family under the hammer, including drawings from Flemish master Peter Paul Rubens. Not actually under the hammer. They're not like a no, 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 like no, Banksy no, situation. No, that went through the like shredder. Shred them, right? no, exactly. Okay, well, initially the uh, auction house described 
described the owner of the drawings as an anonymous Dutch princess. Wow, that, that narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> really narrows it down. And uh, it was NSA uh, Handelsblad who found out that uh, this princess, this anonymous princess, was Princess Christina. That's the sister of former Queen Beatrix and Willem-Alexander's aunt. Uh, a lot of art historians and royalty watchers feel that since these drawings are part of the Dutch royal collection, they should remain in Dutch hands and that she uh, should have offered the drawings for example, to a Dutch museum such as Boymans van Beuningen, who has a uh, a major Rubens uh, art collection. But nothing. Uh, but she didn't do that. She just uh, brought it to the auction house. Mm. It uh, cost a little bit of ophef. Nothing can be done. The drawings are her private property, and um, well, since she is responsible for her own income since 1979, the government and also Mark Rutte, for example, they, they cannot do anything about it. Mm. And uh, yeah, she's uh, free to sell whichever artwork she has hanging in her New York apartment. Yeah. And how much do they think this uh, these paintings are going to fetch? Uh, uh, three million, but yeah, uh, drawings million. of this kind uh, can easily uh, bring up 10 million euros if the right person is in the auction room. Yeah. Well, then the museum should just buy them if they want them. Yeah, but she hasn't offered them, so they cannot buy it. Well, yeah, they, they can, have to they go can, to the they auction. They can bid at the auction yeah. just like everybody else. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, can we just add a footnote? Because we were not recording last week, but last week Alpef is possibly what will be the best Alpef of the year. And can we give like just a tiny shout out to that Alpef? Of course. Which yeah. one is it? This is the Alpef in which a uh, prisoner in a jail convinced a security guard, a guard in the jail, that he could leave because he had a monopoly get out of jail free card. Well, he didn't actually he didn't convince no, the guard, he but he was trying to he convince, was trying the to convince yeah. him. Yeah. And it would have been the best Alpef ever if yeah. he would have been able to That's convince true. the guard. It, yeah. it would have taken over from the the dead necrophilic duck. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Which and then, yeah. the then they should uh, start a, a, a an exhibition mm-hmm. with just a Monopoly card. Monopoly card. Yeah. Yeah. A, yeah. So this guy went out and did whatever. I can't remember what he did. He, he, Some he, kind he, of burglary. Was, was burglary I thought it was something. violence or something. Oh. Street violence or something. Like oh, that, anyway. But whatever. Oh. You know, but he obviously goes around. He has, he has this get out of jail free card in his back pocket when he's out on his burglary expeditions or whatever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> doesn't <laughs> everyone carry a get out of jail free card with them when I they go out on a burglary well, expedition? Now, now we should do it. Yes, yeah. I will do it from now on. Yeah. But yeah, but it's quite an inspired thing to, to try that on. The, you've got to be, yeah, I think yeah. even the police kind of said uh, they, they kind of admired the, <laughs> the attempt. <laughs> the chutzpah of the situation. Yeah. The chutzpah. Yes. Yeah. This week we tell you everything about the apocalyptic events in Scheveningen on New Year's Eve, update you on the latest Brexit news and what an SP alderman in Amsterdam had to say about expats. After the break, we discussed the 10 nominees for the Dutch News Podcast Ophef of the Year Award. Do we actually have an award, like a trophy or something like that? Well, uh, we, we, no, no. Right. It's just a title that yeah. uh, this person can have. You could Photoshop. A, yeah, we'll uh, put a Photoshop on we'll Twitter or something. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely do that. Yeah. yeah. Officials in The Hague and the Safety Board has begun investigations into the Scheveningen New Year bonfire. The strong wind blew clouds of sparks and burning ashes over the city, causing dozens of small fires and damaging cars and bikes. The city's mayor, Pauline Krikker, has confirmed that the towers of wooden pallets, which were lit after midnight on Scheveningen Beach, were 48 meters high and that is 13 meters higher than permitted. It's still unclear why officials did not intervene and stop the blaze, but according to broadcaster NOS, officials decided not to get involved to prevent social unrest and, this is true, arsons. (laughs) Footage of the rains of fire and tornadoes of flames were shared on social media and have been broadcast all over the world. 
These were pretty terrifying images. It yeah. was, wasn't it? There were fire tornadoes. Yeah, fire nadoes, yeah. was it? Fire nadoes, yeah. 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 literally just a little spinning fire. But, I mean, who could have imagined if you lit a 48-meter-high wooden tower and it would cause some sort of <laughs> conflagration? On a windy beach. Yeah, yeah. Windy yeah. Beach. that's the thing that they said afterwards that nobody could expect this coming. I think, hang on, if you, you know, we live in a country that is right on the seaboard, right? So we're in the open sea, and no one thinks that a beach, the wind might get up a yeah. bit. Yeah. But yeah. the reason that fire. they had yeah. built this is because there's like this competition between Skaveninga and, and, and Downdorp, Downdorp yeah. right? About who can build the highest thing. And oh. apparently, like years ago when this started, it was like a 15 meter high bonfire, which was mostly fine. But it's gotten taller and taller every year. Yeah. And in the past few years, people have been saying, like, this is unsafe. Like, we should do something about this. Like, it's not like this was just, like, surprise if 48-meter bonfire yeah. just appeared on the beach. And there's a limit. There's a 35-meter limit. It takes them all week to build this yeah. thing. So th did nobody notice when it got to about 37 meters? Say, yeah. hang on a second, guys. You're going to have to take some of these off. Yeah. No, they just let them carry on building. Yeah, because they were <laughs> concerned about social unrest, which, like... <laughs> yeah, because the, the, this bonfire started in the years before 1990 or something. Uh, it mm. was a tradition in Schevening and in Duindorp to you know, lit your Christmas trees on fire on, on New Year's beach. Eve yeah. and everybody was doing that in their own streets and mm. uh, it came to the point that emergency services couldn't pass through the street anymore because there was a bonfire in the middle of the street so then the, the municipality decided to have instead of all these little bonfires just have one big one mm. on the beach but you know there is a rivalry between Schevening which is mm. a neighborhood of Schevening yeah. and uh, Duindorp uh, which is a neighborhood of Schevening and Schevening itself so instead of just one bonfire they decided to have two bonfires but obviously if you are building your bonfire and a couple of hundred meters away you see another one mm. also being build up Getting bigger, yeah. then of course that's going to cause some competition yeah, right yeah. so uh, uh, in the end it just went completely out of hand and apparently nobody saw this coming even though everybody that was pretty obvious yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a really yes. picture I don't remember if it was in the NOS or on New Puntinelle of like someone took a shot of the like the city from the street and you can see like yeah. over the houses the mm -hmm. bonfire like towering yeah. in the background like yeah. looming like Godzilla about to like storm yeah. in and it's I mean anyone looking at that could say Perhaps it's not a good idea to light this <laughs> giant thing on fire. There was also this other photo, I think it was shot from the pier of Scheveningen, and you saw this enormous pellet tower, and it was a little bit of misty, a little bit hazy, mm. and in the, on the background you saw another tower looming yeah. out of the mist, and it was pretty scary looking, yeah. and yeah, I think it's an already the iconic photo yeah. of, of 2018 yeah. and yeah. 19. Yeah. I heard about a family who'd been up to, uh, to the bonfire at Scheveningen, and they went up on their, they cycle up on their bikes, and um, partnered by the rail and then of course all these fire tornadoes whipped along the beach and when they got back to their uh, bikes they found the tyres had melted yeah. and they had to just unlock they had to actually push the bikes home because it's unusable yeah so there's going to be a lot of compensation claims as well I yeah. would think so was there any other uh, New Year's Eve news Paul? yes uh, there were 9% less fireworks related injuries than last year uh, according to hospital uh, figures, but still 400 people were treated in hospitals and emergency departments during New Year's festivities, which is still an enormous amount, if you ask me. At least 12 people uh, underwent uh, an amputation of some sort, uh, with a finger or more, and uh, three-fourths of the victims were under the age of 25. Uh, almost half of them were injured by fireworks set off by someone else, which is even... Worse. Worse. Mm -hmm. And another 800 people were treated for minor injuries, and uh, this is uh, also down from uh, 2017. The police uh, was also, were also very busy. They arrested 328 people during the festivities. This is also a downward trend um, compared to last year. I wonder, 
somebody should do a study on whether or not the Dutch are missing more fingers than other countries in Europe because of this nonsense. Uh, and more eyes as well. I had this, so my ex-husband, after he left the Netherlands and moved to Belgium, had eye surgery done and the Belgian doctor that he was going to sent him to Rotterdam to have this eye surgery done, basically because the Rotterdam hospital is like the best eye surgeons mm. in yeah, Western Europe. Yeah, they have a Europe. specific yes. eye hospital. And it's the... because of this. Yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. While The Hague was literally burning down, Amsterdam started its year metaphorically on fire when an SPA member of the city council claimed Amsterdamers were being displaced by expats and international students. The Socialist Party alderman Eric Flintige said in an article on the party's local website that the city is, quote, becoming completely out of balance because of the large stream of expats with their tax advantages continually forcing up house prices. Flintige made the comments after the National Statistics Agency, CBS, published new figures showing the population of Amsterdam had grown by 10,000 in the past year largely due to the arrival of more international workers from America, the UK, India, and the rest of the EU. Adding fuel to the fire, Sebastian Capel, who heads up the Zoud Borough Council and represents the Liberal Democratic Party, Desa Sestag, on the city council, described Flentich's comments as, quote, xenophobic and populist. The SP then doubled down when housing alderman Lawrence Ivins reacted to an article on Ate 5 about the increase in expats moving to the city by saying that, quote, Amsterdam families are being squeezed out by the arrival of richer people and the shortage of affordable housing. To which a day later, Desa Sestic alderman Udo Koch of Economic Affairs responded on Twitter, good news, ambitious international knowledge workers are opting in large numbers for Amsterdam. So it seems like everyone's getting along great on the city council. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. A surprising amount of weird names on the city council. There's a lot Amsterdam. of weird yeah. names and yeah. a lot of people just like passive aggressively fighting on Twitter. So it's basically this podcast, but Amsterdam <laughs> politics instead. Yeah. Um, so um, you guys are all ruining the uh, housing market in Amsterdam? Uh, no. Gordon lives in the Hague and I live in Delft. So uh, we're losing the housing market here, uh, not okay, in Amsterdam. Okay, okay, great. There is a lack of affordable housing in Amsterdam, uh, though since most internationals are not eligible for social housing, uh, even if they qualify under the income requirements, they're not displacing like actually poor people. So it's a little like unclear to me what exactly the SPA is complaining about. Um, honestly, the housing and the issue of affordable housing is a lot more complicated than just foreigners are bad, as are most political issues. And unsurprisingly, socialists are bad at economics. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's like a huge amount of drivers of uh, the Amsterdam housing market. I mean, things like Airbnb, which is not particularly driven by uh, expats. Or... I think yeah. what the SPA yeah. is referring to is the uh, um, is the fact that a lot of social housings are uh, bought up by investors yeah. who then yeah. are renovated and then hire it lend it to, to that is to happening expert. increasingly but that's a lot of um, actually international investors who don't even live in the city at all yeah. so that, that, that that's not the responsibility of people who moved no that's so, true but yeah. I mean well, they do it for well and if the government wants to have more there. social housing then yeah. build more social housing although like since internationals, I mean, basically, unless you have permanent residency in this country, you're not allowed to be in social housing, and it doesn't matter how much money you make. Mm. Like, yeah. internationals are not displacing non quote unquote Amsterdamers in like the social housing market. So, yeah. I mean, I don't understand exactly what the socialists are complaining about yeah. here. And I don't have the figures, but I think a lot of internationals uh, don't uh, come and move here permanently, and therefore they don't buy houses at all. Yeah, or rent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, I mean, I sort of take issue with this idea that like, expats are ruining the housing market. I mean, many people who, you know, I've lived in this country for almost a decade now. Like, my colleagues at Dutch News who lived in Amsterdam have lived here for 20 years or 15 years. I mean, like, am I less entitled to own a house in this country? Like, I it's I think it's it's quite xenophobic and terrible. 
Yeah, and uh, there's an argument about how much the housing market is really overheating anyway, because you know, the, the big overheating really happened sort of 10 years ago. Yeah. And uh, it's only just uh, in the last six months got back up to that level, although Amsterdam, again, is, is a difference, yeah, has been going through the roof. Yeah. And yeah. we had an article, there's an article today about how that, uh, the housing market is like cooling down a bit. So I've agreed the socialists uh, are wrong on this. What about the Fei Fei Day? They, they jumped into this uh, spat as well, right? The right wing um, liberals. They may love the dismal science, but they do not love human rights. So the local party in Amsterdam ousted in the last election has called for debate as to whether or not internationals are good for the city. That's what the debate is about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They want to talk about whether or not I don't like I it's unclear to me what you're even going to debate because how do you what like what are you going to do stop non-Dutch people from moving to the city like how do you even enforce this it's insanity but it'll make good headlines it'll make, it'll make good headlines yeah. and I get to take a dig at the socialists and the Vimey Day in the <laughs> and, same segment on wow. the podcast and, and the Day yes too oh no the no, 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 they didn't do anything oh, okay just, just yes pay and yeah. Yeah, Day it's, yeah. I'm, it's a new, unique opportunity it's a unique opportunity the new year is off to a great start so after the beach bonfire in The Hague and the flare-up in Amsterdam City Council, we come to the massive uh, fireball that is Brexit. <laughs> and there's some good news for British citizens in the Netherlands uh, because they're breathing a sigh of relief after the Dutch government said they could stay in the country after Brexit. Wait, and, uh, set does out this mean we're stuck with you, Gordon? Yes, oh. basically. Oh, so happy this is New Year. Terrible news for we Paul need to invent more flavors of stroopwafels <laughs> mm -hmm. to scare them off. Foreign Affairs Minister Steph Block set out on Monday what will happen if the UK and the EU are unable to reach a deal before March 29th. So the Dutch government has come up with this thing called a contingency plan for a no-deal Brexit. Does Who's the British government notes? have one of those? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever, in your right mind? Could have imagined that it was Steph Block who would bring you this news. Actually, I could. because oh, really? the, 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 Well, that's what Steph Block is for, isn't he? He turns up, he just sits there in the corner working out spreadsheets. You know, <laughs> what, 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 Does his homework, does turns his homework. it in early, and yeah. he's done. Yeah, yeah he's an extremely he's just, boring, extremely I, efficient, extremely... Unless you ask him yeah. about anything that has to do with non-white people, and then, yeah. it's, then it's a little more questionable. Yeah, as long as you don't actually ask him to think about anything or, 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 or give an opinion, he's fine. Yeah. If you just tell him to... to, 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 to really, just it's just the talking. Like, as yeah. long as he just, like, sticks to ah. creating... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, propose, writing memos. He's yeah. fine. So, big tip to Steph Block, shut up and do your job. <laughs> yes. Basically, yeah. So, Gordon, what does this leave us with for uh, the Brits in the in the Netherlands? So, the details are that if, if there is a hard Brexit, which is looking increasingly likely, then uh, there will be a transition period until July 2020. Um, so, all Brits um, living in the Netherlands uh, can stay until then. And by that time, the government will have sent out letters to all registered British nationals telling them how they can apply for a residence permit. It will cost you 57 euros, although if you've got some kind of residency per permit already, then you won't have to pay the fee. And there's around 88,000 British nationals living in the Netherlands, and the government said it will contact all of them uh, before April 2020. So all of you lot get to stay? Pretty much. I mean, anyone who's been in the country for five years is entitled to permanent residency, and uh, they'll not have to take any language or citizenship tests. What? You guys don't have to do the embarkery? No. This is some I absolute... <laughs> I need to talk to Steph Block. This is some absolute bullshit. If you've been here for less than five years, or if you're a student who started studying before um, the, uh, Brexit uh, on uh, at the end of March, you'll be able to get a regular residency document, which basically uh, allows you to work in the country. Um, anyone who arrives after Brexit will be treated as a third country national. Their employer will have to apply for a work permit, and if you want to stay permanently, you will have to do the uh, Inbuchering uh, exams and all the rest of it. And if you've got a direct family member who's an EU national, you will also keep your right to stay. So that's, uh, that's, that's pretty, generous from, pretty the, generous from the Dutch. Yeah, yeah. good job. It's, it's the right thing to do, it basically other than says, the Inbuchering. 
which I think they should just make mandatory for you. It basically says that if uh, yeah, if, if you live here now as an EU national, then you basically retain all the rights you have uh, in, in, in effect. I wonder what's going to happen when British people who are living here who have retained the right to stay as an EU national want to move to another EU country. That is a problem. That's going to be that's an a issue. huge thing. No, I mean yeah. yes, other EU countries are going to still treat you as a non-EU national. Yeah. So if you want to move on, or if you're working in more than one country, which a lot of people are, yeah. it, it's still not going to be resolved. Yeah. So yeah. it's not. So yeah, I mean the Dutch government's done the best it can, basically. Yeah. And it's also said it's going to write to people in stages because there's you know there's there's uh, nearly ninety thousand of us. Um, so it doesn't want the whole immigration service to be clogged up with applications of British people. So it's going to do it gradually over the course of a year, which is why it's very important for people to be registered with their council at their current home address. Otherwise, uh, they won't know where to send a letter to. Yeah. So if you're British, get registered. Yeah. Make sure you're registered. Definitely. Yeah. And is there any other good Brexit news? No. Oh. Um, because <laughs> there never is. Uh, but several economic bureaus have been crunching the Brexit numbers to work out what the effect will be for the Netherlands. Uh, the research agency SEO has calculated that a no-deal Brexit will cost the country 34 billion euros between now and 2030, which is the equivalent of 164 euros per person per oh, year. Wow. That's how much you're going to lose that's out enormous. on. Um, and that's if there's no deal. Uh, National Audit Office says the Netherlands will have to pay an extra 1.25 billion to Brussels in 2021. Uh, that's to make up for the loss of the uh, Britain's contribution to the EU budget. If there's no deal, um, the Dutch will have to stump up an extra 1.6 billion in 2019 and 2020. And the International Monetary Fund said Dutch national income will fall by 0.7% in the event of a hard Brexit. And that means the Netherlands is going to be one of the worst affected countries. Only Ireland will be worse off yeah. among EU nations. No surprises there. No, not really. Part. It is obviously, you know, we're right next door and we do a lot of trade through Rotterdam and all the rest of it. So it's not surprising that the Dutch economy is going to take a hit. Yeah, and this is all <laughs> operating under the fact that they're assuming that there's a hard Brexit, which is sort of like the worst case, but now seeming like the most likely scenario. Uh, increasing, yes. I mean, there's a vote in the British Parliament next Tuesday um, on the deal uh, that the government uh, drew up with the EU, and it was hoped uh, they put it off I think last month in December in the hope that they could drum up enough support in Parliament. They saw they were going to lose the vote. Uh, so the British government tried to uh, buy itself a bit more time to, to to get the numbers to win the vote in Parliament. It looks like that's not going to happen now. So after next Tuesday, yeah, um, who knows? It's, it, it's, it's looking increasingly yeah. like it's going to be a straight choice between either they crash out with no deal or they have another, refer another referendum to decide whether they're going to call the whole thing off. But who knows? Yeah, it's, it's, there's uh, so been so many twists and turns in Brexit, I dare not predict. We'll be revealing the 10 nominees for the Dutch News Ophef of the Year 2018 award after this word from our sponsor. For over 30 years, Access has been helping internationals settle in the Netherlands. Access is staffed by an all-volunteer team, themselves internationals, who know firsthand what the challenges are with settling in a new country. They can answer your questions or guide you to the right resources, and they also offer an on-call counseling service. You can find out more information about Access on their website, www.access-nl.org, by contacting the help desk at helpdesk at access-nl.org, or by dropping by one of their expat centers in The Hague, Utrecht, Amsterdam, and Leiden. If you've listened to this podcast before... I have not. Me neither. Well, then you know that I kept a list uh, in 2018 on Twitter of all the ophefs that happened in the Netherlands in that year. Uh, for the few people who don't know what an ophef is, ophef is the Dutch word for dust up, a row, a fuss, commotion, or uproar. A brouhaha. Yeah, mm. I found that word on the internet. It's a great uh, word. It is. Uh, yesterday, and I thought it is possibly even a better word than ophef. Yeah. Uh, 
even though it doesn't it, really it's running very close yeah, yeah it's yeah. running um, but but i think ophef you can use it better in day-to-day yeah. conversation mm-hmm. it's a nice word but it's not a usable word. it's not that user-friendly is it yeah. no that's true yeah. um the state of social agitation about a minor incident that's what brouhaha uh, Bruha's definition is, yeah. and I think that's uh, that's that's also uh, you can also apply to to ophef. But ophef typically lasts for a maximum of twenty four hours or until a new ophef occurs. Um, with other words, it's the cornerstone of social media, specifically Twitter. Yeah. Yes, and, and one of the key things about ophef is that there's almost always ophef about the ophef. At some point, people will start saying, "Why are people getting worked up about this?" Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and that's always the best part of ophef, <laughs> if you yeah. ask me. Well, now the year 2018 is over. We thought let's do a little uh, competition to determine which ophef was the best ophef of the year. We, as host of the podcast, took the task upon us to put together a short list of ten ophefs. Uh, which are nominated for the prestigious title of Dutch News Ophef of the Year. Yeah, we've mentioned all the Ophefs in earlier episodes uh, before, but just to remind you, we will discuss them now one by one. And after you've listened to them all, you can go to the Dutch News Facebook page and vote for whichever Ophef you think should be the Ophef of the Year. Yeah, yes. we would like to stress this is only an advisory vote and we are free to completely ignore the results if we <laughs> decide we like one of the other ones better. As exactly. are all referendum <laughs> in the Netherlands. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we're going, now going to discuss uh, all 10 of them. There yeah. are in no particular order. Um, so let's start. We did, we did have lovely argument about what was going to make the top 10 list. Yeah, because I appreciated there, there the were so many good ones. There yes. was a lot of good ones. It's hard to narrow them down to 10. Yes. Yeah. I may I, as I was starting to make the 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 short list, uh I I think I reached like 2 months into 2018 and I already had 15 yeah. possible nominees. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a terrible job, but yeah. we managed anyway. We did manage. How many we came up with 10, right? 10, yeah. 10. We narrowed it down to 10, but mm-hmm. it could have easily been 25, 25. 30, yeah. something like that. To start with, Rutte's coffee. On June 4th, Prime Minister Mark Rutte accidentally spilled his coffee on the floor as he was entering a ministerial building for a coalition meeting. Uh, without waiting for cleaning staff, Rutte grabbed the mop and started cleaning the mess on the floor himself. A video of the incident was shared on social media. It wasn't noticed that well in the Netherlands, um, but uh, it was soon picked up by international media and went absolutely viral over the world. Dozens of news outlets, including the New York Times, the BBC, uh, the Washington Post, uh, put the video on their website. And many people asked themselves, many news agencies asked themselves, would their national leader have done this? Would they, mm-hmm. would they uh, uh, for example, the Prime Minister of India, would he grab the mop and uh, start cleaning themselves mm. the answer was most of the time no um so uh yeah people really admired how normal mark Rutte was and it wasn't the first time that something like this went viral uh, a photo of mark Rutte locking his bike outside uh the king's uh, north Einde palace also went viral in 2017 yeah although to be fair whenever there's any kind of big international meeting in the netherlands everyone sees Rutte turning up on his bike and makes a big fuss about it even though he does it every day yeah at work maybe we sort of forget how you know unusual it is uh, in the context of global politics we have a prime minister who uh, who turns up to work on his bike what I liked about these cleaning incident was also the fact that the cleaning staff were standing around cheering and clapping while <laughs> yeah, he was exactly. yeah. worked with the mop. Yeah. So I like this, and I think it is like the best, one of the best feel good stories of the year. But I don't think it can take the lead for the best all path because it's not like dumb enough, right? Mm, that no. like people didn't get mad at him. That's for the thing. Cleaning. Yeah, it didn't spark an awful lot of anger, it did it? Yeah. yeah. No, it just sparked a little bit of uh, a lot of approval actually. Yeah, yeah and a bit of yeah. self congratulation maybe as yes. well. 
And I think Opeth, there needs to be anger, some sort of disapproval, yeah. mass disapproval. There needs to be some sort of, sort of synthetic outrage about yes. something, yeah. you know, something that's actually quite a small incident, but people blow it up. Whereas this was kind of a. I a mean, thing this was people... a small incident that people did blow up, yep. but I just. I, I mean, I'm way, just a petty really. and horrible human being, and like, <laughs> I just feel like the all path should be like kind of petty and stupid, yeah, basically. Me too. But I'm curious to see what the here. But the in a way, think. this was also petty and stupid yeah. because you, I mean, you make a mess, you clean, you clean up yourself. It up. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what yeah. every human being should What's do. What's the big deal? Yeah. 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 Also, I like the detail that Alexander Pechtold was left kind of holding, standing on the side, yeah, just holding, holding Richard's briefing papers, yeah. not sure what to do. Yeah. <laughs> At least he didn't use the, the briefing papers to, to, <laughs> to mop up, to mop up the, the, floor. the floor. Yeah. So next, uh, the trampoline protest. Lelystad Airport, that's a new soon-to-be-opened airport, um, and it will take over short and medium-haul flights from Schiphol. Uh, naturally, people that are living nearby these, uh, this proposed airfield are not really happy with that and they fear that uh, the, the, you know, the, the amount of airplanes that will fly over their head will, will cause a lot of noise. Um, and to reassure them, the Ministry of Infrastructure thought it was a good idea to let one aircraft fly the new flight paths on May 30th to let the people experience how living under them would be like. They called this the experience flight. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Naturally, this name got uh, immediately ridiculed on the internet. As it should. As it should. Mm -hmm. Critics pointed out, because it's a stupid idea, uh, critics pointed out that uh, you know one flight wouldn't be able to uh, stimulate, simulate the dozens of other aircraft that will fly over during the day. Um, and then this uh, sort of uh, spontaneous uh, protest <laughs> emerged, <laughs> which was really fun. Uh, people called on, up on Twitter to put towels in the shape of sad smileys <laughs> on their backyard trampolines you know especially white uh, uh white towels so uh -huh. then it would contrast with the yeah. with the black uh, trampoline and um, i guess to show to the pilots their unhappiness with the new yeah. airport and uh, a lot of people shared photos of their backyard <laughs> it, it looked really sad it was really stupid it looked mm -hmm. really stupid of, of 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 their trampolines with these uh sad smileys but yeah. it was it, this this tweet is quintessential Opev. Yeah. It was Opev. This tweet was the most popular tweet in the entire Opev. Oh, was it? Was it? Yeah. Okay. It was yeah. liked 50 times. Yeah, okay. mm -hmm. So, um, so this this could have the uh, the Twitter the Twitter popular vote. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, my followers really liked it. Yeah. I like the idea of what it would have been like if you'd just been on a regular flight flying over the Netherlands and you knew nothing about the story and you just looked down and you just saw all these sad smiley faces <laughs> on people's trampolines. <laughs> what kind of a country is this? <laughs> yeah. The other the other thing I liked about it was a lot of people um, put up tweets. Of, at the time the flight was scheduled, uh, complaining about the noise from the overhead aircraft. But of course, the flight was actually delayed. <laughs> <laughs> so they had no reason so, to no, complain. No, people obviously had a tweet ready to go and they sent it at the, you know, the scheduled time. But actually, there was no noise from a plane no, over the no, air because no, it didn't no. come over for another half an hour. Which <laughs> yeah. is a classic sort of thing of what happens on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Classic social op path. It's completely manufactured outrage. Exactly. <laughs> This wasn't manufactured outrage, no. this next one. <laughs> the third nominee now, uh, Safari Park Beekseberge in Hilvarenbeek is one of these zoos where animals uh, are not locked up in, in, in cages, but they walk around freely and visitors can drive around in their cars. And obviously, a very important rule is that you must stay inside your car at all times. Seems obvious. Mm. Seems yeah. obvious. Yeah. But in May 2018, a group of uh, French tourists... Uh, didn't get this memo. Uh, the couple uh, stepped outside with their children and didn't notice a group of very hungry cheetahs that were <laughs> approaching them until the very last 
moment. They jumped back inside the car just in time, nobody was hurt, but the incident was filmed by another visitor who put it online, and uh, some said uh, the French couple must have been the worst parents ever to you know, take their children outside uh, a, an area where wild cheetahs are walking freely. Uh, but the guy who filmed it was also criticized for doing too little to warn the French. Yeah, that was the best bit, yeah. I think. Yeah, to say there was absolutely op half about the person making the film saying, what, what hell? People suggesting he should have got out of his car as well. No. Well, <laughs> I don't agree with that, but I think he might have been criticized for putting the video online mm. to. I mean, I mean, to ridicule these friend, poor French people who I are, don't feel bad for these French idiots that got out of their <clears> No, me neither, but that's the only thing that you, you know, could put a question mark. Yeah, fair mm. enough. Right? To, to break their privacy. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, there's a public good value in the shaming of them and hopefully as a reminder yeah. to, like, stay in your car, moron. Yeah, well, even though I, I don't really think that anyone should have to have this reminder, though. But well, these people clearly Apparently did. Apparently they did. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, recently, uh, just a f I think it was last week, uh, a similar incident happened in uh, in, in, in the Beeksbergen Zoo with Germans this time. Yeah. So I think the, the zoo, they put on a new sign in French, but they forgot the German, the German. Uh, the German yes. sign. So, yeah, now did they forget they or did they just deliberately say, or did, did, was there a sign in German saying, encouraging people to get out of their cars? Out of the car. and say, <laughs> <laughs> Will you please take your whole family out with you? Uh, I, I, th <laughs> yeah, I think we should uh, look into that. I'm uh, really curious now. Yeah. This one is, uh, next one is, is Gordon's favorite op This of is the definitely year. my op of the year, yeah. without any doubt. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, on September 12th, Albert Heijn introduced several new flavors of stroopwafels. We all know uh, stroopwafels, two very nice and thin biscuits with a delicious layer of caramel in between. It's a holy combination. You shouldn't touch it. No. Uh, it's, it's perfect as it is. Disagree. Mm. Nevertheless, Albert Heijn thought it was necessary to add, for example, strawberry flavor to the stroopwafels, or rosemary sea salt, mango chili, orange, lavender and black pepper, and banana caramel. And Gordon, um, I, I, I don't know why we, dis why we did because this. Because we're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> you were deliberately winding me up. Yeah, this yeah. Is, that's true. Yeah. We gave you all these flavors. Yeah, a bag full of flavored stove waffles. Uh, and I, I diligently flavor. worked through every single flavor. How many soap waffles were these in total? Well, there were eight in a pack, and there were seven packs, so that is fifty-six soap waffles. My math. And you right. ate them all. And I had every single one of them, one a day over a period of about two months. Oh wow! And, yeah, did I you actually eat ranked them, them. Uh, one a day of the same flavor? Mm. So you did. No, the I did first them in rotation. Oh okay. Yeah, oh. Kind of. So I, was, I ended up. That's with, very. That's very scientific. It is. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. Was, you know, and no, no, uh, at the end, I rated them and decided that uh, the lavender black pepper was the most appalling thing I'd ever tasted. It's actually like sort of uh, tasting the paper from your grandmother's underwear drawer. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <clears throat> corollary question. Why do you know what the paper from your grandmother's underwear drawer tastes like, well, Gordon? Well, my grandmother died and there's a chest of drawers in her. So I'm you not licked carry it? <laughs> yeah, well, he, okay, we need to move on. He also invented edible Vosknipers. Yeah, so that's true. Um, yeah, but then, and, and which one was the least worst? Was yeah, the least was... offensive was probably the probably the orange, I think, or maybe the strawberry. I like Those the two were okay. caramel. And was the orange one in any way nice, or was it? It was all right. It was it was tolerable. Yeah, okay. I told them that that which the best is I could a, say. which is surprising. Yeah, yeah which is very well. I think it's a very Dutch response to say I tolerated it. Yeah. I wouldn't encourage it, but uh, yeah, I, I could live with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I could live in a country with other people who like orange chocolate waffles, <laughs> but I wouldn't eat them myself. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, the fifth nominee. Um, Halfway. Is 
we're halfway. Uh, in the second half of the year, the OPEF is usually pretty predictable. It's about Zwarte Piet. Mm. But this year, it started even earlier with the beginning of the trial of the 34 Blokkeervriese. What is a Blokkeervriese, you ask? Well, in 2017, a group of Friesians blocked a motorway in order to prevent anti-Zwarte Piet uh, demonstrators during the national arrival of Sinterklaas in Dokkum. Because they blocked a motorway mm -hmm. and they are Friesians, we now call them Blokkeervriesen. Uh, and while some regard uh, these uh, Blokkeervriese as heroes, others see them as racist who also deny other people's democratic rights. Uh, the trial was closely followed by the media and on social media as well. Uh, of course, it was uh, surrounded by all sorts of small and weird incidents, including a Blokkeervriesen with blue hair and wooden shoes who proposed to his girlfriend who had also blue hair and wooden shoes. Mm. Uh, also, a judge uh, became unwell during the trial and uh, he had to leave the courtroom, uh, not to mention the leader of the Blokkeervriesians who uh, accused journalist and talk show host Twan House of breaking promises on live television. Um, Blokkeervries was also uh, proclaimed the word of the year in 2018. Yeah, so it's kind of serial op right? Yeah, it was after op Indeed, yeah. My favorite part of this was the guy who tried to claim that he was just driving along the motorway <laughs> and stopped to see what the mess was. And yeah. that's how he <laughs> ended accidentally up in, and accidentally blocked the bus. Yeah. Blocked the and, bus. and then I think he stopped in front of it, the, the blockade and actually then reversed back to join it. Yeah. And then still said that he, he had nothing to do with it. Oh. Right. Yeah. Wow. Next, uh, the sixth, uh, sixth OPEF. For 15 years, the I Amsterdam letters in front of the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam attracted enormous amounts of tourists and the city council thought this should come to an end. According to GroenLinks, the letters were a symbol of individualism, mass tourism and the Disneyfication of the city. Everybody understands that you know, something has to be done against the endless stream of uh, drunk Brits on, uh, on beer bikes. That's going to resolve itself quite soon. The countless Nutella shops as well and the enormous amount of Airbnbs in the city. Uh, but you know, people are asking themselves if the removal of these letters uh, is the solution to, uh, to these problems. It was questioned by many and the decision was also ridiculed on the internet. Um, many smaller cities, including Meppel and uh, Oppingedam, started to set up their own letters. Uh, and despite the OPEF, the city council uh, stick to their decision. And at the start of December, the letters were removed in uh, only half an hour. Yeah, and they, they were taken to a depot at Schiphol Airport, weren't they? So I think so, yeah. 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 But there are the other letters thing. in the city, so it's mm. not like you can't take your picture. Yeah, you I just think have to they, go to somewhere else. You just can't do it in front of the Rijksmuseum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, they took took them away on several locations as well, but they are still... I mean, you have to go to Amsterdam Sloterdijk train yeah. station yeah. if you want to take it. And why would you do that? Nobody, uh, nobody <laughs> wants to do it, yeah. Yeah. This next OPEF, I think, is Paul's favorite of the year. It oh, is. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. yeah. On May 29th, the Tweede Kamer got a new flag. Earlier that year, MPs voted on a motion that called for placing a Dutch flag in the parliament. Some MPs found it ridiculous that the Netherlands was one of the few countries in the world where the parliament didn't have a national flag in its parliament, even though I think there are quite, quite a few, I have to say. I think in the UK, there's no uh, Union Jack hanging, um, right? Not no, they have, the but they have a giant... Uh, hammer thing right or <laughs> no, mace. Thing. Mace. No, mace, yeah, which mace. is lying on the table so yeah. like that's better and, yeah. than yeah. a flag grabbing, yeah. Yeah, grabbing a mace is much more fun than uh, yeah, just grabbing, grabbing a flag, a flag. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that yeah. um, well the motion started a uh, the motion sparked a public debate on nationalism do we really need a flag and isn't isn't it just a, uh, a sign do people of, need to be reminded what country they're in you know I don't really yeah, exactly. what's the point 
but when the flag was finally put in place, supporters and opponents uh, found each other again uh, because the flag looked ridiculous. It was very small. It was uh, made of uh, of plastic. It looked like uh, yeah, it, it looked like one of these flags that you put in your bitter ball yeah. mm-hmm. or in yeah. your block of cheese. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So immediately people started photoshopping a bitter ball <laughs> on this flag or a, a square of cheese, something like that. Um, it turned out this was a temporary flag and it was later replaced by a larger, more upscale version. I think uh, Chairwoman Kadia Arip described it as it doesn't look anymore like it's from the action, mm-hmm. uh, even though it actually does. Um, and it was also revealed that uh, the new flag cost 12,000 euros. How is that even possible? Yeah. I have no idea, but there was also a special commission put in place to you know, decide on which flag they have to choose <laughs> and how the yeah. standard looked like. Well, which flag did they choose out of interest? Uh, well, they, they it was made of some special oh, type oh, of fabric. Oh, fabric. Yeah. It would have been better yeah. if they just put up a German and a Spanish say, flag, they, they, like they, they, the yeah. uh, national anthem calls attention to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or they just put up a Union Jack flag yeah. as a reminder of, you know... Yeah, and <laughs> not to run a country. Yeah, well, in, in the countries in the European Union that has a flag in their parliament, they are always accompanied with a European Union flag. Yeah, so that was the other part of the offer, wasn't it? Should there be a European flag next to the yeah. Dutch flag? And of course, all the people who wanted the Dutch flag didn't want the European flag. Yeah, even though so. they referred to, they, they said every mm-hmm. every parliament does it, so we should do it too. But, yeah. you know, every parliament has an EU flag as well. But that apparently wasn't uh, reason enough to, uh, to to have an EU flag. Mm. Um, so, yeah, also the cost, the 12,000 euros, that also uh, sparked another... Yeah. Uh, yeah, the photoshopping was great for this one. It was, yeah. yeah. I really loved the uh, the bitterball uh, yeah. uh, Photoshop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now for our hottest OPEF on the list. Yes, this uh, happened in July. That was the hottest month uh, ever recorded. But as you said, it wasn't. Uh, it was. It was made extra hot. It was made extra hot because of uh, Chekhov's death. He shared one of his holiday photos on. Uh, it's on a totally Instagram. normal thing to do. People yes. share their holiday photos. Yeah, on but Instagram. not not this type of holiday photo. No, so much because on yeah. the photo you can see the member of parliament laying on the edge of an infinity pool, completely naked. And, uh, well, his other member of parliament covered with only his hand. <laughs> How big are his hands? Uh, n- Quite small. <laughs> Smaller than Trump's. Smaller than Trump's. Uh, yeah, I, I, I t- uh, tried to look up the, uh, the photo on Instagram, but he deleted it. Of course. Uh, I found out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but it exists on the internet. It exists so. everywhere on the internet. Uh, some people thought it was uh, just another attempt of Baudet to get attention, which Surely it not. obviously was. An example of his narcissism, and others said it was just a nice photo of someone who, uh, you know, dared to show another side of him. I didn't need to see that. I didn't need to see the other side of him either. Me neither. Uh, anyhow, the internet, of course, uh, immediately started to... Uh, to open their Photoshop, um, Cherry, uh, they, they photoshopped him in all sorts of settings, including him laying on the edge of the Hofvijver in The Hague. Mm. It's That's the that's the pond next to the yes. Tweede Kamer building. Um, and also uh, in the iconic draw me like one of your French girl scenes in Titanic. Titanic. That one I particularly liked. We, we photoshopped him onto <laughs> quite a few things yes, throughout definitely. the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could have made this list entirely out of Thierry Baudet Ophefs because he's, you know, he's the key yeah. Ophef He is a one-man Ophef factory, isn't yeah. he, really? Exactly, yeah. 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 Everything he does, everything he says becomes Ophef, yeah. including his fight with the weatherman, for example, yeah. or, um, you know, his hatred for the taste of music of his fellow <laughs> MPs. 
yeah. uh, or he uh, calls debates in parliament below his dignity yeah. even his though his choice in clothing when he is at a debate oh, in parliament oh yeah that's right I forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah as you see we can fill this uh, <laughs> we can do a whole podcast on Cherry Bodeo yeah. yeah definitely yeah. Well, speaking, well, yeah, speaking of one man op factories that brings us neatly on oh. to one of the favourite op from the end of the year that's true Emil yeah. Ratelband <laughs> he's one of these people which are famous and you don't really know why he's famous he's for famous. being famous yeah, yeah exactly yeah, I looked him up and I looked I read his I read his Wikipedia page and it turns out he is a positivity guru he has written several uh, self-help books and that was uh, where his uh, initial fa- fame came from um, his catchphrase is uh, Chaka and uh, he yells that when he walks over a a pile of burning uh, coals, for example. Um, he has been in the news recently for converting to Buddhism and for looking for surro- surrogate mothers. But in 2018, he made international headlines when he went to court to demand a reduction of 20 years of his official age, mainly because he found it difficult to find Tinder matches uh, with his real age of 69. I still don't understand why he doesn't just lie on Tinder like literally every other person out We will there. never know. We will never know. <laughs> and even though you know he's been in the media for so much now that everybody knows that when even if his if if his illegal age was reduced with 20 years people still knew that he is 69 yeah. that he's in reality they, 69 they, they would also know that just by looking at his face <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly well this bizarre court case caught the attention not only in the Netherlands but also from international media and Ratelband was even invited by the B, by the BBC to give an explanation on, on live television uh, naturally the court denied Ratelband's request and he remains the same age what's yeah. his catchphrase Paul? Chaka! <laughs> yeah, well, I thought it was nice that the court did actually, you know, consider this case um, and, and produce a proper reasoned legal judgment for yeah. why he couldn't do this. As they should. Yeah. yeah. No, that shows you the robustness of the Dutch justice system. I, I agree. Uh, well, the tenth ophef already. Uh, mm. A couple of months ago. Is... I'm surprised this wasn't isn't your favorite. Yeah, this was pretty good as yeah. well. Mm. But I think it was also really, in a way, really sad, sad. because of yeah. Yeah, you know the the things he lied about. This uh, ophef is about Dotan. He's a Dutch uh, singer, mm-hmm. and I can't remember one of his songs. No. Me neither. No, he was he was pretty famous, uh, and a couple of months ago, a story went viral about uh, one of his fans who took his 15-year-old brother who was suffering from leukemia to one of the singer's concerts. Uh, Dotan heard about this, and you know he came to visit them after the show in the parking lot. Um, and he gave the boy the best day of his life, according to the Facebook page mm. uh, post, which went viral. Yeah, so um, a lovely, sweet story, but for one thing. Yes. Mm. However, the Volkskrant revealed uh, that none of this was true. Uh, the Facebook account who originally published the story was one of the 140 fake social media accounts that he managed or his management team did. Um, the fake accounts were also used to tweet uh, and comment nasty remarks about other singers uh, and naturally the other stories of the singer, including one that went viral about him sitting next to a woman on a plane who was listening to his new album. And he, he, he sat next to her and he claimed that he saw her you know, on her iPhone that he, she was listening to his music. Um, that was also questioned mm. and it turned out that the story was also not true. Um, Dotan admitted that the accounts were fake and... Um, and made by him or his management team. Uh, the singer has uh, left the country by now and is currently living in Israel. And it was really opeth because, you know... It was a huge opeth, yeah, because it maybe turned out that almost the entire of this uh, this guy's public profile was, was based on the made-up stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he maintained 140 fake 
social media mm. accounts. That's a lot of fake he accounts. actively yeah. maintained them. And As someone who maintains multiple social media accounts, that's a lot of <laughs> accounts. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, it happens nowadays, I think, all the time that, you know, uh, singers that are starting or, I don't know, actors that, I don't know, they, they buy likes or, yeah. or they buy mm. followers. That's, that's common practice by now. But, you know, what's really different on, about this story is that he, you know, fabricates these kind of mm. stories and then you know actively brings them to the to the media as well in a way just to 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 say look look how great i am and it's yeah. really sad that he is lying about it happens a lot on social media people just make up personas and yeah. then sort of infiltrate yeah and often use kinds of very heart-rending or yeah um, personal stories to sort of make people feel they relate to them and it's it, it's all it's all lies yes and now and his credibility really do. is really it's shattered shot. In, a, yeah. in, in a stroke yeah. Yeah. and that's his own fault so these are the ten uh, yeah. paths, uh, so, the ten nominees. Yes. So next week, uh, what we're going to do, we, 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 we will announce uh, the winner of uh, our favorite op of the year. And uh, uh, people listening to this are very welcome to share their uh, favorite from this list or from any other op that they've enjoyed during the year. Um, and d- 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 tell us about it on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah. And yeah. You can go to the Facebook page. There yep. is a poll. Yeah, uh, we'll link the, to the mm-hmm. poll in the liner yep. notes. In the liner notes. And uh, you can vote for whichever OPEF you think is the best OPEF for 2018. And then next week we, we have a winner. And uh, Are we going to share now what our favorite OPEFs were? I think we already did during yes. the discussion. Not me. <laughs> no, no. Di- you didn't? No, because I'm going off list. Oh. oh. I'm going off list. Oh, there's, oh. A, there's a late twist. It was a lot oh. of debate. I had a lot of... I had a lot, a lot of, of debate with yourself. Debate did with you? myself yeah. and with Truby. Um... <laughs> Who is who I talk to about all of my biggest problems. Yeah. But I'm going uh, Utrecht crash sex party. Then <laughs> you're going to have to explain this. So at some point earlier this year, a crash in Utrecht got in trouble for throwing a birthday party for one of its employees while the crash was operating, during which there was a strip tease performed and someone licked whipped cream off of someone else's uh, chest area. Yeah. Um, and of course, this got reported to the what, the health service, something, something like that. Education, yeah. By an informant, it was an anonymous source, and uh, the crash got in trouble. And they attempted to defend themselves by saying that the doors were closed, which did not make I don't think anyone mm. feel any better. And then they attempted to sue the health service to reveal yes. the the uh, the name <laughs> of the person who informed on that. That was the best detail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was completely ridiculous. Yeah. But my favorite part of this is is that. So my boyfriend's parents are from Utrecht. And so when this story came out, I shared this in the family WhatsApp group, like, ha ha ha, like this, what are you guys doing in Utrecht? To which my father-in-law replied, I don't see what the problem is here. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of OPEF in the in It was the personal family, family well. OPEF yeah. also. Yeah. So that's my favorite OPEF. So apparently we have 11 nominees now. So mm-hmm. yeah, go to the Facebook page, vote for whichever you think is the, is the best OPEF. And yeah, share it with us have... on Twitter or by yeah. email and we will uh, announce the OPEF of the year next week. Yes. So uh, that's all we have uh, for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email uh, to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leaving us a rating. My thanks to Gordon Derek and Molly Quell. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week.